Let's start reading this together. 1 Timothy. Verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, my child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, and Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is speaking to his authority as one who has been commanded of God, um, commissioned by Jesus, and he's an apostle, which means he is a sent one that he's concerned about um, his church, the church of Jesus Christ, being multiplied, but in a healthy way, and, and he's addressing some things here. Verse 3, as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach anything, any different doctrine. Doctrine would be the uh, understanding of who God is, or that's theology. Doctrine is the way of practical living according to uh, the word of God. Different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculation rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. So immediately Paul is starting to address people and he ends this chapter by saying there are some people, he names them by name. I would not want to be the one named by name in the word of God for all of eternity, right? Um, of, of people who have listened to or put their focus on the wrong things, and they got shipwrecked. Their life got shipwrecked. We'll get there in a moment. But he's starting right from the very beginning and saying, hey, make sure you hold true to true doctrine. Now, where do you find true doctrine? The Word of God will give you true doctrine. The Word of God. And what happens is, if we're not in the Word of God, we will have people who will say things that sound kind of right, Actually, doesn't that, that's the way the enemy works, right? He'll give you half-truths to make you believe it's the truth, right? In the Garden of Eden, Satan will said to, to Eve, did God really say that? And he gave half-truths, and then Eve was deceived. And I, I want to encourage you, we do know that in the end times, there will be many antichrists. There will be many who will be opposed to Christ, but it will look like it's true. Remember, the enemy also is very deceptive. He comes sometimes like an angel of light. And how do we know what's true? We have to be in God's word. I, I want to um, encourage you, if you are not regularly in God's word, I would highly recommend it and say your life depends on it. <laughs> because there'll be many who will tell you things that seem right, but, but you won't know if they're right or wrong unless they're in God's word. So here's the interesting thing. The other thing about that is sometimes we get talking about things that aren't really important. Now, not so much now, this whole conspiracy theory things, but back in a couple years ago or during COVID or there's a lot of speculation, right? A lot of conspiracy theories and, or they might've been facts, but we spent a lot of energy and time kind of like going, thinking about like, what's really happening here? And you have to say, it's like these endless genealogies. They're saying, well, were you born from here? Were you born of this tribe? Were you like, it's like, what? who does that matter? Like when it comes to things of God, those things don't matter. And he's saying, you can get so distracted by what is important that we can start to lose our way. Now in verse five, this is like where we're going to camp out for a little bit today, um, is 
He's telling us what is the purpose of our faith. What is a purpose? What, what do we need to be focusing on? What do we need to be aiming at in our faith, in our following of Jesus? Verse 5, the aim of our charge, and I love that he says charge, but basically he says every single one of you has been charged with this. Commissioned, charged, purposed. Here we go. Some people say, well, what's my purpose in life? Here we go. The aim of our charge is love. Can you say love? Love. We're going to get into that in a moment. That issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. A pure heart. A good conscience. And a sincere faith. There's three things there that he's, he's charging us with. What is, what's in our heart? What are we thinking about? That's our conscience. Like, you know, it's like we've got a clean conscience. We're not, we're not plagued by... Um, all of our misdoings and misgivings. And by the way, this is, he's not talking about being perfect here. He's saying, talking about keeping short accounts with the Lord. And a sincere faith, in other words, are we, are we building it on ideas or are we building it on a relationship with Jesus? And I think religion builds it on ideas. Like, like we want to focus on these behaviors and these ideas. And, and when the reality is our faith, a sincere faith is based on a relationship that will tell us how to live and we will conduct ourselves in a certain way, but it's based out of a love relationship, not based on just heady ideas. Verse 6, certain persons by swerving from these have wandered into vain discussion desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they are making confident assertions. Now, confident assertions is interesting because you've been maybe thought this with public speaking. How many people love public speaking? How many people are like, do not put me in front of people to speak ever, ever, right? <laughs> Pastor Richie, that is not true. <laughs> that is not true. We can have a confession session afterwards, Pastor Richie, about you lying in church. <laughs> I want to caution you, even um, preachers today, there's some notable preachers that, that are saying some things that I would have questioned too. I would, I would have some questions about and it's really important that just because they are on a platform and they actually crack open a Bible sometimes and, and they say it so confidently, confident assertions that you believe it without actually going in and digging into God's word to say, does it really say that? And I want to caution you because it's so easy for podcasts and for you to be listening to the, the, the people that will just kind of inspire you and encourage you, and yet they may be saying some things that are contrary to God's word. I want to encourage you to be in God's word so you know for yourself, or if you hear something that like, allow the Holy Spirit to bring like, uh, I, I don't know about that. Get into God's word and figure it out. Because just because they are confident assertions, they're confident in what they say to you, that is not necessarily true. And what happens is, everything that you begin to believe that is ungodly, in other words, it's not from the Lord, will bring you in a path and it will bring you to a place that will actually shipwreck your life. And when we have an enemy that wants to kill, steal, destroy... 
and he masks himself with the angel of light, we have to be so attentive and so um, filled with the spirit that we can discern right from wrong. Verse 8. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners and the unholy and profane, for those who, well, we're not going to get to there in a moment. We're going to, I mean, we will get there in a moment. But by the way, the law, law would be the, like the Old Testament. If you saw that video that we just had pre this message, it's interesting that, that the law, the Old Testament, even the Ten Commandments, they were broken out in the way of loving God and loving others. But then he's saying, you know, Jesus himself talked about the law of love. The law of love. The law of love can be summed up in, in Matthew um, 22. Matthew 22. And, and the law, when he's saying the law really is for the... Um, it's a reflection to tell people right from wrong. So the law basically only can tell you it, 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 if you're doing something wrong or if you're doing something right, the, the law does that. And, but yet, Jesus has a different law. And he says this, but when the Pharisees heard, this is uh, Matthew 22, verse 34, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the greatest and first commandment. And second is this, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all of the law and the prophets. So here he is, it's the law of love. So even though the law can, can judge your behaviors, the law is only good for that. But the, the law that Jesus says is a law of love. And we're going to get into love a little bit um, here because for me, I struggled with understanding what love is. I, I, in our culture, we think about love as a feeling. I would like to make a... a I'd like to challenge that a little bit. I think, what if love is not just a feeling, but it's a decision? What if, what if love is, see, our, our culture tells us love needs to be a feeling, like we need to feel butterflies, we need to feel a certain way, we need to feel this, but what if love was not just a feeling, now there's feelings involved, but, but it was a decision, well, why do you think that Jesus says, pick up your cross, oh, sorry, deny yourself, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. If you're going to be a disciple, this is how we're to live. And if he's saying our law of love, this is like our purpose is love, then our denying ourselves equates to love. Oh, this is so hard, isn't it? <laughs> But when we can fully understand what Jesus is saying and we're realizing that, that the law of love is loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then to love our neighbor, in other words, love people around us as ourself. Now, now, I get this a little bit. Some people would say, we would talk about this, like it's really important for self-love and I get it. We need, to, we need to not think of ourselves as worms. We don't think, need to think of ourselves as unvaluable. You are all made in the image of God. You are all incredibly valuable. 
We have a broken world that will tell you otherwise. We have broken relationships that make you feel otherwise. But I want to let you know that you, you are valuable. But, but our world trains us to, be, um, to have self-love. In other words, we are trained to think about ourselves. It's interesting. I, I've been thinking about as I've been on my own journey. Um, I don't know how long I'll do it, but I'm doing it just for a season because um, I love my wife. And But it's doing something in me. This, this whole idea of chivalry, opening up a door for uh, somebody else, or for me, my wife, opening up a car door for my wife. You know, she's carrying something. I'll carry that thing for her. I mean, simple things. And she's she's probably like, Hunt, can you just not do that? I'm capable of doing that. <laughs> but she's receiving my love. And the reason why I'm doing it and what, it, what it's doing for me is it's helping me to be mindful of somebody else. Like when you walk into a store and, and you slam the door behind you and, and somebody hits it, right? Or you actually hold it open. for You're mindful of the people around you. And, and I think that's why chivalry was so um, important back then. It's like, even, I don't do this, but pull out a chair for somebody at a restaurant and let them sit and you help them back in or um, put their coat on for them. This idea of being mindful of the needs of somebody around you is so important. I think that's the way that we begin to love each other well is being mindful of them. You know, so hard in our culture today, we're very distracted and, and the Lord is trying to, I believe for me anyways, trying to help me come more present with people. I want you to ask yourselves these questions. To be present with somebody, what does that mean? We, we've talked about that. It's important that I see you, I hear you, and I understand you, right? It's like, I see you, I hear you, understand you. Is it easy or hard for you to look somebody in the eye today and have a conversation? It's kind of hard, actually. We, we, we just kind of not really trained in that. And it's hard because we don't, we're kind of distracted in our thoughts. And it's hard to be present with somebody. And then can you, are you slow enough? And our culture is a fast-paced culture. Are you slow enough to actually hear what somebody is saying? And you, again, empathy, not sympathy. And you become empathetic with where they're at. And then you begin to say, wow, I understand where you're at. And uh, thank you for sharing that. And this idea of loving in that way, and, and we'll, we'll talk about again what love is, but, but I, I want to challenge you to realize if love is not just a feeling, it's a decision, that means that we have to choose every day to love. It's a practice. Love is just not waiting for the good feeling. Love is putting into practice every day to choose to love, a decision to love. Okay, let's keep reading here in 1 Timothy. Now here, he, he goes on and create a list of things that are, are would be ungodly or sinners or sinful. And he goes, so the law is to judge those who are unholy, profane, that goes into profanity. I would encourage you guys, if you've got filthy talk coming from your mouth, I would encourage you to take that before the Lord and to say, God, God, guard my tongue on that. Why, why am I doing that? Because he's looking for... Is that always loving, that we, that we bombard other people with our language? Or, or is, are we going to say, we're going to make a decision not to do that because it's the loving thing to do because I don't want to be an offense to somebody else. That's the why. 
profanity, profane, for those who strike their fathers and their mothers, in other words, that are just kind of quarrelsome in their relationships, for murderers, for sexually immoral. Um, other translations would be, um, uh, I can't think of it, but basically, if you're having sex outside of marriage, God's intended sex to be inside marriage, not outside of marriage. Men who practice homosexually, enslavers. Let me just talk about um, that for a moment. Homosexuality or lesbianism or any of those sexual things. The reason why God has placed this in here is it's not that you, that you have those feelings. It's not that the feeling isn't the, the sinful part. It's the act of it. See, it says practicing those things. And what he's saying is, no, we, when we choose to love God, remember, it's two things. We love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, which means we are always putting ourselves underneath what God's order and God's design is. We're going to choose to say, God, you know best, not us. We want to make ourselves God, and we want to make sure, we want to make ourselves feel good. And so we say, when we do these things, or we feel these certain ways, and they're contrary to God's word, we, we kind of like twist a little bit, and then we kind of justify it to make it about us so we can feel a certain way. But when we say, no, God's, your law, your ways, your love is supreme, and I put myself underneath those, then we we have to practice love, which is we have to practice what God says. And we have to put into practice what, what that is. Is like, I choose to love you, God, over my own feelings of what I want to do today. We have to put ourselves underneath there. And then, by the way, then when we love each other, we're going to say, I'm not going to act out on my own selfishness and hurt somebody else because I have these desires inside of me. Okay. Um, then he says enslavers, those would be like kidnappers, liars, perjurers, whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Basically he's saying, live with sound doctrine. This is not sound doctrine. And I'm telling you today, there are preachers who will tell you things that are contrary to God's word. And you need to pay attention to what is in God's word because it is not sound doctrine. They will tell you what you want to hear and you'll feel good about yourself because in many ways it helps you justify your sin. All right. Sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God, which I have entrusted, have been entrusted. So Paul is basically charging Timothy saying, set some people straight in a loving way to sound doctrine don't let them, you know, try to convince a bunch of people otherwise. Verse 12, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful appointing me to this service. Basically, Paul's talking about his calling again. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent uh, opponent. He, can I remember, we want to remind you who Paul was. Paul was a persecutor of Christians. He was a bad guy. And he thought justified in it, but now he had this experience with Jesus. And now he's coming to understand the, the true doctrine, the true way of, of basically the law of love. Okay. 
I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. Verse 14. And the grace of our Lord overflowed, um, overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So he's going from legalistic. He, Paul was very legalistic. Persecuted Christians to now understanding. Okay, faith. In other words, it's a relationship with God. And it's evident by our love for one another. Our love for God and love for one another. Um, in Christ Jesus. That saying is trustworthy and deserves a full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I was the foremost. And I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Christ Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who believe in him for eternal life. God is so patient with us. He's patient with our loved ones that don't know him. He's patient with our family and friends who don't know him. He is patient, but he's longing that none should perish. And he's hoping that people's hearts will turn to him. But he is patient, long-suffering. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This... Charge, I entrust you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you. So basically, people spoke some words of encouragement and prophesied over Timothy. Um, Paul's reminding him of that. Holding faith and a good conscience by rejecting this, some have made shipwrecked of their faith. Among whom, he lists the names, whom I have handed over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. It's interesting that um, here he's naming a couple people who have shipwrecked their life because of wrong doctrine. And this is the challenge for us. They were in the ship, right? They knew the faith. And somehow they allowed the rudder of their faith to get off course because they believed false doctrine. They got off into some um, weird thinking, they got into conspiracies. They got into myths. They got into like a hypothesis or like, what if, and maybe this, and maybe, no, can we just go back to sound doctrine, which is love God and love, learn to love people and, and learn to live in a way that you need to deny yourself, pick up your cross, deny yourself and follow Jesus Christ. And denying yourself is, is, is sacrificial love. And it's not, remember, love is not just a feeling. It is a decision every day to say, I'm going to put somebody else first. I'm going to put somebody else first. I'm going to put very first my relationship with God. Uh, means I'm going to like, God, I wake up today and my, this is, my life is yours, God. Here I am. Holy Spirit, and fill me up today. Give me discernment. Give me ears to hear what you're saying to me today. God, give me the steps and give me the order for today. Remember, Jesus went away early in the morning and he prayed and he asked the Father to give him the orders for the day. All right. I wonder what our world would look like if we lived out Romans chapter 12, where it says that we need to outdo each other in showing honor to each other. Outdo each other. What if we had a competition to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to outdo you in serving somebody else. I'm going to outdo you in encouraging somebody else. I'm going to outdo you in, in just honoring somebody else. 
So our focus then becomes not like, hey, what can I scroll and what can I post and what, what's about me? It's going to be about what can I do for somebody else to serve them? And it means that love is not waiting for the feeling. Love is going to be saying, I got to practice love every day. Practice love. So let's, let's talk about what this love looks like and how do we practice it. You know, this seems to be a theme lately. Um, Paul brings it up. But let's look at, um, I believe it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the way of love. It says this, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, and if I have not love, I'm a noisy gong, clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understanding of all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to, re- to remove mountains, but I have no love, I'm nothing. If I give all that I have away and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Here we go. We want to know what we have to practice every day. It's going to take denying yourself. It's going to take, it's going to feel like a cross. <laughs> it will, because it goes against what's natural until it becomes natural. Love is patient. Love is kind. I've talked about this several times. I love this, that, that it's his very nature of God. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. You have somebody who's like a thorn in your side and you want to see their life to change because they're making your life miserable. Can I, can I encourage you to just try kindness? Go over the top to be kind. And see what it does. Because if, if that's God's strategy, his kindness leads us to repentance, I would say that might be a pretty good strategy for you. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. How do you boast today? I don't know. Ask yourself of what you're posting on your social media. Are you boasting about your life or are you boasting about Jesus? I think I just actually just, I hurt some of you. I maybe just offended some of you right then. My apologies, but that's not my intention at all. I just am am realizing that sometimes we can be focusing more about what, what our life is about instead of what Jesus is doing in our life. And it's really easy, it's a trap, and it's, it's social, right? We're trying to, like, communicate with people. We're trying to show our lives. But, but can I just encourage you that, that maybe, maybe that we do that so often that we just all we are doing is thinking about ourselves? And, and that might be boasting about what's going on in our life. It's not arrogant or rude. It's not insist on its own way. By the way, love is also tricky. I've realized in this in my life, I, I, I was really good at loving so I can get something. <laughs> if love is really not expecting anything in return, like truly it's just, I just want to love you, you really have to check your motive, motives. And I was realizing that, you know what? I would love it in times because I was, I was wanting something in return. But what if you had nothing in return? Can you love in that way? And I think that's why he says, love your enemies. I think that's why he's encouraging us to serve. 
people who actually really bug us. I don't think you're doing it with the expectation that you're going to get, you're going to get something in return. I think there's something spiritual about loving in, in a way that doesn't, it's not about you. Love does not insist on its own, own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Last time you heard some, something on the news or something in your workplace or something in your school, did you repeat that bad news? Did you somehow kind of, especially the person that's really being a pain in your back end and you heard something bad about them, and did you kind of like, oh, yeah, they're getting it, they're getting it, they're getting it. Or... God, help them to, to know who you are. I, I've just been, I've been so compelled lately to think about if we really love the way that God loves. Talks about sharing your faith, that, that I think that we would conjure up some boldness and some courage to share our faith a little bit more. Because the reality is even, uh, this is why I think the Lord has us pray for our enemies, because even our enemies I know, I know we used to say there's a special place in hell for H-E double hockey sticks for those people, right? We, we kind of, in our flesh would be like, I'm okay if they go there, right? But God's heart, if he, if he really wants us to have his heart, his heart is that none should perish. And if we really thought about it, do, would, we, would we say that we want somebody to spend eternity separated from God in torment for all eternity? And think about your good friends and think about your family. Are we so concerned about what they might perceive of us, like you're the religious freak, that we're not going to share a faith? Or do you really love them enough that you're going to say, can I just share with you who Jesus is, what he's done in my life? I think it's time, church, that we, we have to love in such a way that, we have, that encourages us to be boldened in our faith, to be able to say, I love you so much that I'm not going to keep that from you. Because I can just imagine, imagine if you, you spent an eternity and you went to eternity and all of a sudden somehow we can see um, the other side, we can see hell maybe, and they'd be like, you're my friend for 20 years and you never told me about this? Imagine that. What? Were you really my friend? Did you really love me because you knew this and you didn't tell me? I, I, think, I think we would be crushed with that thought. That when we, we have friends around us, that, that if we have this truth to know that, that only through Jesus Christ that we can have assurance of eternity in heaven, and apart from Jesus, it's eternity in hell, how much are we loving? How much are we loving? How are we doing? Are we walking in the garden? Have you found something that, that uh, is beautiful, that has become your <gasps> moment that God is speaking to you with, that you're writing down? Have you seen that guidepost that's like, <gasps> and maybe it's not just the beauty. Maybe it's something like God's like stirred something inside of you. Write that down. The Spirit of God is here and he's, we're going on this journey and we're talking about a lot of things, but there's something for each person here today. See, what if love is not just a feeling, 
but it's a decision to say, I'm going to get uncomfortable. I'm going to do the thing that, that doesn't feel the best for me. That is going to be inconvenient, but I'm going to love in a way that I'm going to deny myself every day, get up every day. I'm going to think about my relationship with God. How do I love you, God, better? How do I love my family, my friends, my neighbors, the people in my, my, my school, the people in the supermarket, the people that I meet on the street. How am I going to love in such a way? And it starts by our actions of kindness, of patience, not being arrogant or rude, not insisting on your way, not being demanding, not being irritable or resentful, not rejoicing in wrongdoing, but rejoicing in the truth. See, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And I know some of you are, are just trying to get through life. And the, the thought of, <laughs> hey, how do I become denying myself and loving more? It, just, it can feel exhausting. But I want to let you know that the good news is that love is a fruit of the Spirit of God. So when you feel like you don't have it in you to love, all you have to do is say, Holy Spirit that dwells inside me, can you please help your love shine greater in me and through me? That you don't have to conjure up anything that you just need to kind of surrender that part of your life to say, I'm going to deny myself, my own flesh, my own desires, my own way, my own will. And I'm going to choose to yield to the Spirit to allow me to become more like Jesus. See, interestingly enough, in that, in that list, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. In that list already that, that Paul mentioned in 1 Corinthians. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. There we go. Gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Self-control, a lot of it is denying yourself. When your flesh wants to just say, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do this. No, no going to control myself. I'm going to like put, put myself back underneath what it is I'm supposed to do. This sound doctrine that I'm supposed to live by. See, what if love is not just a feeling? You've lost that love and feeling Oh, that love and feeling. See, who sings that, by the way? Who's that? Oh, I don't know. The Righteous Brothers, maybe? You see, I think we do need to lose the loving feeling because we have to make it a choice to love. And if we're just, and if we're just focusing on how we feel, we're not going to love really well because many days we don't feel like loving, right? If we're honest, many days we don't feel like we're loving. But, but if we made a decision to say, you know what? I'm going to prefer somebody else. I'm going to honor somebody else over my life. I'm going to see them. I'm going to hear them. I'm going to understand them. I'm going to slow my life down. I'm going to open a door for somebody. I'm going to find a need, meet a need. I'm going to see people. I'm going to look at them in their eye and know that they're valuable. But it's going to take us first loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength because we don't have it in us. 
then we ask the Holy Spirit to indwell us and fill us and we're going to trust him that he's going to allow us to love more I'm going to end with this I want to make this a challenge for you would you consider asking the Lord all I'm asking you is to ask the Lord if you'd have you share your faith this week You need to ask the Lord that. I'm not telling you you have to do anything. I want you to ask the Lord if if it's a loving thing for you to share your faith this week. And you just need to listen to what he says to you. But I would pray for you to have courage when the Lord says that. And know that he's going to go before you and it's the most loving thing you can do is let them know how much Jesus loves them and wants to save them. He wants to forgive them of their sins. He wants to set them free. Allow them to have a new birth. Allow them to have a relationship with their Father in Heaven that so desperately wants to be in their life to love them and to care for them. Would you be willing to do that? How to love better. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. What if... Love was not just a feeling, but it was an action, a decision to love each day. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your word. Father, I pray that we would continue to be in your word to understand the sound doctrine. Let us not be deceived by the, um, the things out there that might tickle our ears to justify our own actions. But Father, that we would we would uphold your sound doctrine by being in your word. Father, I pray that we would learn to love. This is the purpose. The point of all of this is to love well. Let us learn to become less focused on ourselves, focused on others to meet their needs, to see what's going on in their life, and to be present, to be mindful, Lord, I pray as we've walked through this journey today that you've shown us some things. That, Lord, I pray that what you have shown people, that they wouldn't walk out of here, we're just like, ah, oh, okay, that was good. That, that encouraged me or that sparked something, that challenged me. But, Lord, they would put it into practice. That they would put it into practice. Lord, we know that love is hard. We know that love today um, will require action. And it will require a decision. So help us each day to wake up and say, I'm going to choose to love today. I'm going to choose to love today. It's a decision to love today. And not just wait for the feeling, but make it a choice. Lord, we know that there might be some here today that don't know you. that haven't given their life to you yet. And Lord, I just pray that they would have an opportunity right here, right now. That they would just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I want to make you the Lord of my life. Thank you for going uh, to the cross for my sin. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. I repent, meaning I turn the other way. I don't want to keep living that way. I want to live for you, Jesus, in your ways. Not perfect, but keep surrendering my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you conquered the grave, that you gave us assurance that you you are the one that gives us everlasting life. For that, we're grateful and we trust you. Lord Jesus, we want to continue to be faithful in following you each and every day. We love you.
in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.